Uh, it is great to be with you. Once again, we are one week away from having people sitting in these chairs to smile at us, and we are so excited. Um, next week, just a reminder, we have two services, like always, but there is a slight time change. All right, we're doing a first service at 9 o'clock, second service at 11 o'clock. And uh, we are so excited to be back with you in person. Uh, that video is just a little goofy. Just a simple reminder um, that uh, we do want people to just be respectful of other people's wishes. I know people are all over the spectrum on comfortableness uh, of, of this. And so we would just ask you, be respectful of everyone. And, uh, and we are so excited to be back together and worship. 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock next week. But for right now, we're going to do one more service of online only. Uh, just a reminder, we will continue to do this live streaming, so if you're not yet comfortable to come out uh, in person, we totally understand that and we totally support that. We will continue to live stream and make that available to you. If you're doing watch parties with, with friends and that is working for you, man, by all means, keep on doing that. Uh, we would encourage that. And so, uh, But if you're able to make it out next week, we are looking forward to, to be there. Um, but this morning, again, we're going to worship together online only. I hope you found a spot where you can join together with your family or your watch party, and, uh, and let's worship together. Before we jump in, uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for this, this day that we can gather together one more time, virtually online only. Um, God, as much as it's crazy to pray, we do thank you for the blessing of technology. Uh, sometimes it can be tough to deal with, but we do thank you that there are means that we have still been able to worship together as a body in the midst of not being able to gather together in person. But God, we are thankful and we are excited to be back together next week. And so right now in this moment, whatever this looks like, whether, whether we're sitting on our couch or sitting at our table, whatever it looks like, would you make your presence known to us? Would you make us more aware of your presence? As we're getting ready to talk about tabernacle and your presence right now, would your presence be real in our life? And in that presence, may we respond with worship through singing and through the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come set your rule and reign. In our hearts again, increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. Because we are your church and we need your power in us we seek your kingdom first
my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Cause all my life you have been faithful. And all my
Romans chapter 12, a verse that is probably pretty familiar to you. Verses one and two say, therefore I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this goes on. I'm not going to read the rest, but I encourage you to do so. It goes on to talk about the body of Christ and how we all have different roles. And right after that, it talks about love. And I think that's what binds us all, that yes, we are a body that has different roles, right? We've, we've heard that uh, comparison time and time again, but we are united together by our love and by the love that we show to this world. And uh, as we were practicing, I, I looked back in the sound room and I think Clint was responding to something that our awesome video team was saying, but he went like this. <laughs> I'm calling you out. And it was just this beautiful picture that now I'm imagining all y'all right here as just arms open, as a sacrifice to God. I will go where you want me to go. Spirit lead me. I, my arms are here, open. And I just, I've said this so many times, y'all, but our physical posture is so important. And so even here, where you are, in your living room, on your patio, in your car, wherever you are, I just encourage you to get your body in a posture that lets the Lord know your heart is open to him as well. And we're gonna sing um, the song, Oceans. This is, this is kind of a hard prayer to pray. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk on the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, that my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Um, it's a powerful prayer, but I encourage you all to just open your hands and open your heart as we pray this. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stay.
this morning as we've just sung, that we want to be your people, living out the mission that you have called us to here on this earth. God, we want to be people of love. We want to be people that are full of grace and full of mercy for the whole world. God, I just ask that you would help us to keep our hearts open to you um, always, but especially right now as Pastor Josh and then Pastor Paul come and speak to us what you have laid on their heart. We love you, Lord, and we just want our lives to show that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have you, uh, have you ever looked at blueprints uh, and, and tried to study them? So I have in my hand right here, and I don't know how to do this with a microphone in my hand, and I don't know if you can see it on the camera anyway, but I have a stack of blueprints. And I think you're supposed to roll blueprints, not fold blueprints, or in the movie of Twister, Roll the maps, not fold the maps, right? Yeah, okay. Pop culture reference from a long time ago. Uh, I have blueprints, and these blueprints are actually the uh, blueprints for this sanctuary and uh, this section of our church as well. But blueprints uh, have these very detailed and exact specifications on how to build a building. Uh, it's a lot of details, a lot of confusion if you don't know what you're doing. Like when I look at this, it just looks like a, a bunch of blue lines and I don't understand it. But, but this tells the builder what to build based on the architect's design of a building. That's what a blueprint does. This morning, we're going to start a brand new teaching series called Epic. And basically, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at and we're going to be journeying with the Israelites as they walk through the wilderness and as they journey toward the promised land. One of the cool things and the cool interactions between God and his people in the, in the journey to the promised land is that God gave the Israelites, instructions to build a tabernacle. Essentially blueprints where he laid out the dimensions and even the decorations of this tabernacle. And, and Pastor Paul is going to talk just a little bit more in detail about this and what that means for us, but I just kind of want to introduce this to you right now. What is that tabernacle? Well, that tabernacle uh, was a place where God's presence would dwell amongst the people. It would be the place where God's presence would dwell. Now, there's one thing that we know in the way that we understand God is God can't be contained within a building, right? God can't be contained within four walls. That's something that we've learned throughout these past few months in the situation we're in. God can't be contained. So essentially, this tabernacle, though, was kind of a representation or symbolized the presence of God that would be with God's people. Now, what was really cool is that when the Israelites would move, once they built the tabernacle, the tabernacle didn't just stay in one place. The tabernacle went with them. So as to remind them that where they went, as they were following God, God's presence was with them. And that tabernacle became a very physical, real representation of God's presence. But I wonder, what about you? What about you, kids? teens, parents, not parents, grandparents, whoever, what about you? Do you have something in your life that is a physical, tangent reminder that God is with you? I used to carry around a little cross. It actually looks like, I don't even know what the camera frame is here, but there's a cross right in front of me, and it was a cross made of little dulled nails that I would carry in my pocket uh, with me wherever I went. Eventually it broke and then I lost a piece and so I don't do that. But it was, a, it was a reminder, a physical reminder when I put my hand in my pocket that God's presence was with me. Some people wear a cross on a necklace. Some people have artwork in their home that reminds them God's presence is with them. What about you? As you go through your day, as you go through your week, as kids, as you're on summer break and, and it's kind of relaxed and, and you're, 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 not, you're not going to school but you're having fun, what do you have that reminds you that God's presence is with you? If there's one thing that I've learned through the past couple of months or been reminded of in the last couple of months and specifically in the past couple of weeks is this, that no matter what we're going through, whether it's wandering through the wilderness or whether it's in promised land times, whatever the situation, God is with us. And if we can remember that, 
man, what a blessing and what an encouragement as we go about doing God's work. So what do you do to remind yourself God is with us? Fitting reminder, Josh, it's uh, actually Carol Borland sent a text message to Harold Green and I last night about that building plan in this sanctuary that um, it was 25 years ago this weekend uh, that they began the building here. I believe it's when they began. Now, the paper says the budget was $6 million. Ah, no, $600,000 for this building. Uh, aren't you thankful it wasn't $6 million? I know Harold said he was thankful it wasn't $6 million. And, and just kind of as a plug for our all-in, that means that the carpet in this room is 25 years old. The chairs in this room are 25 years old. I, I think you can tell where we will be going at some point. Uh, most of us don't have carpet in our house that's 25 years old or chairs in our house that are 25 years old. If you do, you know what they're called? Antiques. And so... Uh, uh, we, we, we worship in an antique center to a certain degree. It's very nice, and God has sustained it, and, and Craig and others have sustained it. Uh, but uh, probably getting time to start thinking about that. Uh, now, how do I get to my sermon from that? Uh, we're, we're drawn to epic stories. Uh, very early on, we were taught epic stories. Uh, probably one of the, the earliest epic stories I remember was Homer's stories of the Iliad and Odyssey, you know, the Iliads when they bring the Trojan horse and, and, and victory with, with um, uh, Achilles and, and all that. The Odysseys, the adventures of Ulysses. And uh, may, maybe you're more familiar with the uh, Homer's Odyssey by virtue of O Brother, Where Art Thou, which is an ode to Homer's uh, epic story. But, but epic stories reveal something. Uh, they, they reveal something about ourselves that we long to be part of something grand, something epic. And when we look at the Bible, we see God's epic story. It reveals God's epic story. And you see this in the overall story. This overall story from Genesis to Revelation is the story of God bringing his people, redeeming his people, healing his people, and bringing his home bringing us home. And then there's these smaller stories that you see without, within the text, such as the Exodus story to the promised land, which is the story that we're going to be in over the next month. And it's the story of Exodus to promised land or home. It's the essence of God's epic story of bringing us back to where we belong, ultimately heaven, but it's kingdom people living kingdom lives now, that, that heaven's not in here and after thing, but it's a here and now thing that even Jesus invites us to bring this story in full, even in our day-to-day -day lives by praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the Bible invites us uh, in many ways that uh, the narrative is written. It invites us by telling the narratives over and over. It's inviting us to join God's epic adventure. In fact, the, the book of Acts ends in such a way that the book of Acts is inviting us, the church, to join this redemptive mission uh, that Jesus uh, established for his church. Typically, we think of God's redemptive plan in legal terms, and, and, and sometimes we'll sing of the wrath of God being satisfied, and, and i got to tell you, sometimes that doesn't resonate as well with me as I think of a wrathful God, because this same wrathful God died on a cross. Another way of thinking of it is in medical terms, healing humanity. And so what Jesus is doing and, and the purpose of this plan is to bring healing. And, and so in Isaiah 53, it says, with his stripes, we are healed. And I got to tell you, that way of thinking has resonated with me very deeply in the last few months. I, I think as we, we look at the, the unrest and the protest, I think the ideal of healing is what we need. We need to be healed. And we need to be healed uh, across racial lines. We need to be healed as a country. We need to be healed with our relationship with each other, our relationship with God. And God is calling us to this narrative, and this narrative is drawing us in to bring his healing to the nations. 
He does it in a number of ways. He, he uses ordinary people with ordinary problems. Uh, I, I'm always amazed when, when I look at the characters that God uses for his story. Uh, they're real people. They have real problems. Sometimes they're just flat dingbats like you and I. And God engages them and transforms them and using the, uses them. And in using them, he invites us. So God is inviting us to join him on an epic adventure. I'm reminded of the, the movie The Hobbit. And I've never read the book, but I saw the movie. I, I, anybody else with me there? But in The Hobbit, and I can't even think, what was his name? Bilbo Baggins or something like that? Yeah. Uh, I'm getting... Bilbo Baggins. Okay, thank you. Anyway. The Smurf, Papa Smurf, um, he's leading them home. And, and when the first movie he ends with just this ideal is, I have a home, you don't have a home, and I've been invited this, to this adventure to lead you home. And that's the story of the church. The, the church is being invited by God to participate in bringing healing and bringing people home. And, and one of the stories that tells this is the story of the Exodus. We know the story. Jacob goes to Egypt with all of his family, and, and his family grows and grows and becomes a mighty nation. Jacob, of course, is the grandson of Abraham, and Abraham had been pr promised by God that God would make his descendants a mighty nation. And in Egypt, Abraham's family, Jacob's family, become this mighty nation. But while they're in Egypt, they become slaves. And they begin to cry out to God. They remember the promises of, to Abraham, and they begin to cry out to God. And, and God sends a deliverer, Moses. And so Moses comes to Egypt, and there, there's all these, these signs and things that Moses does. And eventually the children of Israel are released from captivity. And Moses leads them to Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God begins to lay out his plan for this unique people, this group of people, this nation of Israel and how they are to live. And he gives them the Ten Commandments. And he, he gives them the law. And he gives them directions to build a tabernacle. Now, now there's, and you'll be glad to hear this, I'm not going to read to you today all those plans of building the tabernacle. You can read them on your spare time. Very detailed plans. And the tabernacle is this physical, visible reminder of God's presence. God is not contained in the tabernacle. This does not mean that God is now here because they build a tabernacle. God has never been confined to a building. And in a time like this, we all should be saying, amen, we're glad God's not confined to a building. That The tabernacle did not bring the presence of God. But it gave a physical reminder to physical people that God was with them. Now, we need those reminders. We need to be reminded of the presence of God. I, I, I love Psalm 139. David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. We need these reminders. We need to be reminded of the presence of God and and there's things that we go through in our life that we need those crosses and, and, and images that remind us physically that God is present. Our physical gatherings are a reminder of the presence of God. Uh, we, we love the Facebook Live, and, and Facebook Live will continue because we understand in, in times that it, it works out better, that, that maybe you can't be here physically and live, and so you still can participate. But Facebook Live is not the future. We're, we're, we're not going to become an online-only church because we believe that something special happens in our physical gatherings. 
Your staff has missed that. We believe you've missed that. That when we gather in this place, there is this physical reminder when we see the Spirit indwelling each other. When we see each other, we're reminded of the presence of God. The Spirit in you reminds me of God's presence. And so i got to tell you, for the last 12 weeks, 13 weeks now, we've missed that. And so next week when we gather, we're asking you not to give people French kisses. Can I say French kisses from the pulpit? We're asking you not to hug and grab and do all those things. Uh, we're, we're asking you not to close talk, and we're asking you to be safe and not to climb over people. Our sanctuary is, is designed so you can get into seats easily, but we need to be together. But the tabernacle was more than just showing the presence. It wasn't just the physical presence of God that they needed to be reminded of. That's a very important aspect of this story. But the tabernacle was intended to set course and direction. Numbers 9, 15 through 23 says this, On the day of the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out wherever the cloud settled. The Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. At the Lord's command, they would encamp, and then at his command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whether the cloud lifted, they set out. Whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in the camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the Lord's command, they encamped, and at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. So the tabernacle was an invitation to follow. It was an invitation to follow God on his epic adventure. So, a pastor, we don't have a tabernacle. The church is not the tabernacle. Jesus is the tabernacle. So John 1 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And actually the literal translation of this passage is, The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. In other words, Jesus becomes our tabernacle. He is the physical reminder of the presence of God, and he is the physical reminder of the direction God intends us to go. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says it like this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith, for the joy set before him, he has endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, follow Jesus. Look to how he lives and follow his example. When we follow Jesus, we join God's epic adventure. See, when we look at the life of Jesus, there are several things that I think it's important to see. Jesus embraced the marginalized. Hear me there. Jesus embraced the marginalized. You know, there's been a lot of voices on racial issues. And I know there's a lot of dark, bright lines being drawn. But can we draw this line and be clear on it? 
it's clear that racial reconciliation is the point. Whether you believe in the tactics or, or the ways that some are approaching this, there is no denying that Jesus is leading us towards racial reconciliation. And it's a healing that needs to occur not only in our country, but in our church. That we need to be a model of racial reconciliation. That we need to love people the same regardless of the color of their skin. And regardless of the color of their skin, we believe they should have equal opportunity. Jesus embraced the marginalized. Jesus embraced service over being served. In other words, Jesus was willing to serve, and, and, and he saw service as an aspect of his leadership. And when we see service as our right and being served as our right, we miss the example and the point of Jesus. Jesus modeled a life of sacrifice. And he invites us to take up our cross and follow him. Jesus practiced radical hospitality. In other words, people were welcome in his presence and welcome in his home and welcome at his table. Jesus sought the Father's will above all. That's all that mattered. I am here to do the will of the one who sent me. And Jesus brought healing. See, the church is intended to be the body of Christ. When we gather, one of the intentions is that, that we are to be a people together who model the life of Jesus, which means that the church should be a place where the marginalized are embraced, where we value service, where we value sacrifice, where we practice radical hospitality, where the Father's will is supreme above all. That the church should be a place where healing occurs. You know, there's a checkered past with the church. And not every organization that has called itself a church has lived as a church. So sometimes as a church, and I'm not just speaking of our church, but the church in general, sometimes we've done well and sometimes we've not done well. When the church ignores the marginalized, when our ears are deaf to their cries, we are missing the call of God and we're on our own adventure, not God's adventure. When we promote injustice, and can, say, can I say this another way? When we turn a blind eye, it is the same as promoting injustice. When we promote injustice by passive behavior, we're not joining God's epic adventure. When we value being served more than service, we're missing the point. When we become a closed club, we're missing the journey. When we seek power more than sacrifice, and as your pastor, can I tell you that oftentimes the church is more concerned about electing people that bring it to power than being willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. When our only cause is power, we cease to be the church, we cease to be the body of Christ, and we're missing the point of God's journey. We're no longer inviting people to God's plan. When we allow Jesus to lead, it's not always easy to be the church. It's not always popular. Most of the time, it's very difficult, but it's a story worth writing. So the question I have for you today is, who's setting the course of your life? I'm going to ask Amy to come, and she's going to lead us in oceans, and then I think we're going to do that one song, too, and uh, that, that she closed that with, I stand arms wide open and just some questions. What's holding you back? Fear? Is fear holding you back? Maybe it's a fear of failure. Can I tell you, you learn more from failure than anything else you'll do in your life. Maybe it's peer pressure. 
Maybe you're so concerned about the voices around you. And peer pressure is something, as parents, we talk to our kids about. But what I've learned is adults are more subject to peer pressure than kids at times. Maybe it's just flat selfishness. You want to have it your own way. Maybe it's the past. Maybe the past is holding on to you so, so closely that you can't move forward with God. Parents, are you setting boundaries in your kid's life that aren't boundaries that God wants to set? You set those boundaries by the examples you set. You know, one of the things that, that I'm so happy about with the way I was raised was my parents raised me with this ideal that there was no boundaries. There's no fear. If you fell, you fell. And what I'm praying for is in our church that we're raising a generation of kids that aren't, willing, aren't, aren't afraid to fail for God. But they're just going to go out and they're going to follow and it's just going to be this unashamedly following of him. Amy's going to sing this and, and this is going to be our prayer. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Okay, can you sing this with me as a prayer? I want you to know that this isn't just a message that I'm just preaching because it was the message that was due to be preached. <laughs> this is personal to me. This is where I'm at. I want God to lead me where my trust is without borders. I don't want to be saved just for the purposes of being saved, but I want to be set on fire for Him and go where He sends me. So I invite you, join your pastor, join your church, as we allow God to lead us places maybe we've never been before. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Help us to allow your spirit to lead. And as your spirit leads, Lord, help us to have the strength and the courage to follow. We give you praise for your word. We give you praise for the stories we encounter there of, of ordinary people being called to your plan and doing amazing things. Lord, as I, I read from Hebrews 12, I'm reminded that the chapter before that is Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. 
And in that hall of faith, you don't find people that are necessarily famous other than their allegiance to your call, their faithfulness to you. So Lord, you call us ordinary, sometimes stumbling with real problems, real families, real concerns in our physical bodies. You call us to a point of faithfulness so that you can bring healing. Not only to us, but to our families, our neighborhoods, our community, and our nation. We need you, Lord. And Lord, as I pray that, I can almost hear you saying you need us. So help us to join you on your redemptive journey. May the peace of God enfold us, the love of God uphold us, the wisdom of God control us. God bless. 